Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Worf. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. God is good all the time. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand praise for what he's doing in Gene's family. We are part of a, a movement that expands around the world. So we are not uh, by ourselves. Uh, we are one small piece of God's big plan. Someone shout amen to that. All right, that you should be encouraged by that. We're not by ourselves doing things by ourselves, but we are actually part of a larger movement. We actually have about a million, over a million brothers and sisters around the world uh, that are advancing the kingdom of God to the glory of God. So be uh, encouraged. How's everybody doing this afternoon? It's good to see you. Let's make some noise for those watching online. Let's welcome those watching online. Welcome all those watching online. So grateful to be in the house of the Lord, to worship the Lord, to study God's word, to fellowship, and to connect, to hear God's story, and apply God's word to our life. Uh, I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to Jeremiah, uh, chapter 1, Jeremiah. We're going back to the prophet Jeremiah today, and we believe that God is going to speak something into somebody's soul uh, this afternoon. How many are ready for a word from the Lord? How many ready for the word, a word from the Lord? And so we're going to read, I'm going to read Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, verses 4 through 8. When everybody's in verse 4, say amen. All right. For those that are not, you're going to have to catch up sooner or later. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4. By the way, as you're turning there, just keep us in prayer because uh, Laura and I and a team of about 12 people are flying to the nation of Guatemala this Wednesday, and we're going to be uh, doing some kingdom work in Guatemala, and we're going to be ministering to the kids there. We have about 14 churches, sister churches there, uh, and we're going to be preaching there. One of the things that we're going to be doing is going to the uh, what they call the dumpster, the dumpster where it's like the city where they put all their trash at and there's families there that live off of the trash. And so we're going to be ministering there. We're also uh, going to be ministering to a bunch of kids, a lot of kids. Our primary goal, keep this in prayer, we are working in partnership with Cornerstone of Hope, uh, which is one of the families of our church's nonprofit. Uh, the De Leon family, a part of our church, and in partnership with them, our goal for this time of going into Guatemala is we want to find, we're, we're exploring and looking for a leader, a pastor, and a family uh, that will help us oversee the work that we want to establish in the nation of Guatemala. So we have a vision to establish uh, a distribution center that could also multi-purpose for a church and even a school where we can use that place as a hub uh, to minister and to feed and to transform uh, parts of their society from that place. And so pray with us as we look for a leader uh, that will accept that and, and have a heart for that uh, because in the long run, uh, we want to tra help transform that civilized society, that community, but also want to plant churches for the glory of God. Someone say amen to that. So I'm taking my wife. This is the first time, and this is the first time she's going out the country I, since, since. I got her in trouble when she was a teenager, and they shipped her to Mexico to 
a village. <laughs> and she blames it on me, but I don't remember what I did. I forgot what, what did I do. So she has not been out of the country uh, since that experience. So, and we're taking my son, Nathaniel. We're preparing him to be uh, a preacher of the gospel. Uh, we're so grateful that Pastor Sandy is going to be joining us. She's already an extraordinary uh, missionary in her own right. She goes around the world, so she's going to be helping us. Uh, and uh, also uh, Pastor Bo and Tammy and Pastor Terry. There's about 12 of us. We're all going together. And uh, just, just pray, pray, pray for us. Amen. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1. Verses 4, when everybody's there, say amen. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, pause for a second. Just a side note, that this passage of scripture reveals to Jeremiah that long before Jeremiah was thinking about God, God was thinking about Jeremiah. Do you see that in that text? This passage of scripture reveals that long before Jeremiah even had an idea about God, that God was working on his behalf. And it's the same with you and I. Long before you knew God, God knew you. Long before you called upon God, he was working on your behalf. Whether you seen God working or didn't see God working, he was working on your behalf. So sometimes we got to thank God for what we don't see him doing. Sometimes we got to praise God for what we don't see him doing in our lives. Go to verse 6. Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth. Stop with all the excuses. For you shall go to all whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Look at verse 8, last verse. Do not be afraid of their faces. Remember we learned that the enemy uses intimidation to stop you from pursuing God. The enemy uses intimidation to stop you from following after the call of God in your life. And this scripture teaches us that there are going to be some people that mad dog us. As you pursue God's calling for your life, as you step into certain arenas and circles and, and rooms, there's going to be some people that look funny upon your life because they're not going to realize why you're there, why you're doing what you're doing. And my encouragement to you is don't allow the intimidation to stop you. You keep smiling and you keep praising God and you keep loving God and keep your eyes on Jesus. Someone shout Jesus. The last phrase says, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. How many believe that God still delivers today? How many believe that God still delivers today? That, that there's delivering power in the name of Jesus? And I believe that God wants to deliver someone today from the spirit of insecurity. I believe that God wants to deliver someone today from the spirit of insecurity. And as we look at the word of the Lord this afternoon, I want to attack the spirit of insecurity. And I believe that there are some people in here today that need deeper freedom uh, from insecurity. I believe that there's some people in here today that need to experience a greater level of freedom in Christ Jesus so that you can do what God has called you to do and you don't have to be tripped up from what happened to you in the past, but you can keep your eyes on the prize and keep pursuing the Lord and his calling for your life. Someone shout amen. 
So I want to talk about insecurity today. I want to pull the covers more so on the spirit of insecurity. And anyone who senses a call to do something special with your life from God, you're going to have to wrestle with insecurity. Anyone who ever rises to the challenges of life is going to have to wrestle with insecurity. So let me help us to understand a little bit more about insecurity because it's sneaky. Insecurity is sneaky. Insecurity presents itself through fear, through worry, through doubt, through apprehension and uncertainty. Insecurity doesn't just knock on your door and say, here I am. It disguises itself. It camouflages itself. And oftentimes it presents itself through fear, through worry, through doubt, through apprehension and uncertainty. There's many examples of this in the Bible. I remember Jesus uh, taking the disciples on a boat, and I remember Jesus taking the disciples to the other side of a lake, and a storm broke out in the middle of their journey. And I remember the disciples in Matthew chapter 8 standing up and screaming out loud, Jesus, we're going to drown. Jesus, we're going to die. And they feared for their life. But how many of you know that if Jesus is in your boat, you're not going to drown. How many of you know if you stay in the boat of Jesus, you're not going to drown, but you're going to make it to the other side of where God wants you to be? And so when the disciples cry out, we're going to drown, that was a manifestation of insecurity. I remember of, I'm reminded of Martha and Mary. You remember them two sisters who loved the Lord, who served the Lord? And the Bible teaches in Luke that Martha was worried about many things. She was worried and distracted about many things. She was worried and distracted about many things in so much she couldn't keep her eyes on Jesus. She couldn't be consumed by Jesus because she was worried about many things. And that right there is a manifestation of the spirit of insecurity. When you take your eyes off of Jesus and you become worried about many things and you become distracted about many things, that is a sign that insecurity is trying to, to wrestle you down and trying to hold you back. we got to be careful because insecurity is a saboteur. It's a saboteur. Insecurity will sabotage your relationships. Your, your relationships with your friends, if you allow insecurity into your life, it will sabotage those relationships. If you ever plan on having a new relationship or, or, or a dating relationship, you better be careful because if you allow insecurity into a dating relationship, it will, it will sabotage that relationship. And I don't care how long you've been married, if you have been married for 50 years, but if you allow the spirit of insecurity into your marriage, it will sabotage your marriage because insecurity is a saboteur. It's an assassin. Insecurity will sabotage your work life. If you have aspirations on your career and you want to pursue your, your work life dreams, if you allow insecurity to overtake you, it will sabotage that opportunity in your life. Insecure people, they, they make impulsive decisions. Insecure people, they operate from fear. And so I want to tackle this, this, this subject of insecurity uh, because one of the reasons is lots of the Bible heroes uh, were hit with insecurity as they wrestled with the call of God. It's a fascinating thing to realize. Many of the Bible heroes, as they wrestled with the call of God, they also had to wrestle with insecurity. You remember Moses? God uh, showed up to, in a burning bush to Moses and, and called Moses to be a deliverer, called Moses to go to Egypt. And you would have thought that if God showed up in a burning bush and spoke to you, you would say, here I am, God, use me. But insecurity is so strong that Moses in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, he said, Moses pleaded with the Lord and said, I am not 
very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. And even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. I want to suggest to you that's a spirit of insecurity. I want to suggest to you that insecurity was trying to hold him down. Many Bible examples of, of the heroes of the Bible had to wrestle with insecurity at the same time of wrestling with the call of God upon their life. Gideon, we learned a couple weeks ago, an angel shows up to Gideon and calls him to be a deliverer and calls him to speak on behalf of God. And in Judges chapter 6, Gideon says, but Lord... How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. I want to suggest to you that that is a manifestation of insecurity. You would think that if an angel showed up to you and spoke on behalf of God and called you a mighty warrior, that you would rise up in confidence. But the spirit of insecurity was so strong in Gideon's life that he throws his whole family under the bus. He throws his whole family in the bus, said, God, how could you use me? I ain't got no doctors in my family. I ain't got no college graduates in my family. My family's messed up. Spirit of insecurity will have you throw your family underneath the bus. So my encouragement to us this afternoon is to say it's time for us to fight back against the spirit of insecurity. My encouragement for us tonight is time for us to learn how to overcome the spirit of insecurity. As we think about how to do this, we think about Jeremiah. We think about how Jeremiah was a young adult when God called him to be a leader. We think about how God called Jeremiah to speak to his people, to speak to the rebellious nation of Israel, and Jeremiah had the nerve to tell God no. Jeremiah had the nerve to tell God, Lord, I can't do what you asked me to do. God, I'm not qualified. God, I don't have the experience. Has anybody ever responded to God like Jeremiah? Has anybody ever felt God asking you to do something and instead of being gun ho and saying, here I am, Lord, send me, you come up with an excuse why you cannot do what God has called you to do? See, the reason why Jeremiah didn't want to fulfill God's calling upon his life was because of insecurity. It was because of insecurity. He felt unqualified. He felt too young. He felt like he didn't have the credentials to do what God called him to do. And we see insecurity popping up in his answer in verse, in verse uh, 6. Listen to this. Jeremiah says, Then I said, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. That right there is the spirit of insecurity. That right there is insecurity trying to sabotage Jeremiah's divine assignment in life. That right there is the spirit of insecurity trying to paralyze Jeremiah. And basically he says, I'm, I'm, I'm incomplete for the task. Basically he says, I lack what it takes. Basically he says, I'm not good enough, God, to do what you called me to do. That's basically what he's saying right there. And the reality is, my brothers and sisters... That's what insecurity says. That's what insecurity is. Remember, it is the lie that you are incomplete, even after salvation in Christ Jesus. Insecurity is the lie that you lack what it takes, even after salvation in Christ Jesus. Insecurity is the lie that you're not good enough, even after salvation in Christ Jesus. Now, we recognize that apart from Jesus, we are incomplete. We recognize that apart from Jesus, we do lack what it takes. But listen, I'm under the blood of Jesus now. I'm saved now. I'm redeemed now. I'm sanctified now. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost now. And so insecurity hits Jeremiah. And insecurity is going to hit you too. Insecurity is going to try to paralyze you and try to hold you back and sabotage what God is doing in your life. And it's interesting that God gives this preemptive strike against Jeremiah's insecurity in verse 5. Immediately, God attacks the spirit of insecurity in verse 5. Let me remind you what God says. He says, 
Before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I want you to catch this because this is God attacking the spirit of insecurity. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. So let me remind you of these four declarations that God gives Jeremiah. Let me remind you. God says, I formed you. I know you. I sanctified you. I ordained you. You need to get this in your spirit because he does not just say this to Jeremiah. But he says this to every born-again believer in Christ Jesus. God declares this over you. I formed you. I know you. I sanctified you. I ordained you. I want, I want you to get this in your spirit. This is what God says over you. I formed you. I know you. I sanctified you. I ordained you. Now, let's consider. Why did God declare these statements over Jeremiah? Why did God give these declarations? Here's the answer. God wanted Jeremiah to view himself through the lens of God's word. God wanted Jeremiah to view himself through the lens of God's word. These declarations were to form Jeremiah's kingdom identity. His kingdom identity. Remember last week we learned that your kingdom identity helps you to overcome insecurity. Kingdom identity helps you to overcome insecurity. By the way, that rhymed right there. If you didn't catch it, God's trying to help you to memorize something. Let's think about insecurity. Insecurity often stems from an unhealthy view of ourselves. When you think about where does insecurity come from, the origin of insecurity oftentimes comes from an unhealthy view of ourselves. And an unhealthy view happens when you view yourself through the lens of your past pain. An unhealthy view of yourself happens when you view yourself through the lens of your past failure. Or you view yourself through the lens of your past hurt. Listen, listen, you see what these are? These are lenses. These are lenses. And God wanted Jeremiah to view himself through the lens of God's word over his life. Jeremiah, or human nature, tends to view ourselves through the lens of our past pain through the lens of our past failure, through the lens of our past hurt. If you continue to view yourself and life through the lens of your past pain, through what somebody did to you, through what somebody did not do to you, it will sabotage your future. And so God declares these words over Jeremiah because he wanted him to have an healthy view of himself. Now, we see unhealthy view of oneself with the example of Moses. We see this example with, with Moses. And I want to point this out to you something. So pay attention. I'm going to point out a comparison. Everybody remember the story of Moses? That when he was born through the providence of God, he was given to Pharaoh's family, and he was raised up in Pharaoh's home. Everybody remember that? He was raised up in, in Pharaoh's home and in Egypt. And then as Moses got older, he sent a call from God to deliver his people. But what he did as a mistake was he tried to rush the plan of God. He tried to take the plan of God in his own hands. And so he made a mistake and he killed somebody. Anybody remember that? He killed somebody. And as a result of that guilt, as a result of that shame, he ran away to the desert for 40 years. Remember that? It was in the desert where God shows up 
uh, in a burning bush to Moses and says, Moses, I've called you to be a deliverer. I called you to set my people free. I called you to go back to Egypt and speak to Pharaoh. Everybody remember that? Well, when God spoke to Moses, Moses gives us an example of an unhealthy view of ourselves. And I want to point this out because I see it again in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Listen to how Moses sees himself. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been elegant. I have never been elegant. That's what he says. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Listen, I want to suggest to you that what Moses said right there was an unhealthy view of himself looking at himself through the lens of his past pain and the lens of his past failure. You say, how do you know that, Brian? How do you know that? How do you know that? Well, years later, God called a man by the name of Stephen in Acts chapter 7 and anointed Stephen to preach one of the most powerful sermons in the Bible. And in this, in this sermon, Stephen gives us the Holy Spirit's view of Moses. Listen to what Stephen says in Acts chapter 7 verse 32. It says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. I need you to catch something. I need you to catch something. Slide person, if you can go back to the verse with, with Moses. Go back to the verse with Moses. Listen to what Moses says. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. Another translation says, I'm not that very eloquent. I'm not eloquent. I'm not that good with words. He says, I never have been. Is that true, Moses? Are you, are you sure about that, Moses? Because the last time I checked, you were raised in Pharaoh's household. The last time I checked, you had the best education of your generation. The last time I checked, you rose up with the Egyptians and were educated with the Egyptians. And the last time I checked, the Egyptians built some pyramids. And to this day, we still don't know how they did it. Listen, I want you to see. Moses was viewing himself through his past failure. Go back to Acts chapter 7, uh, 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 Stephen, what Stephen says, uh, slide person. But, but Stephen, by the Holy Spirit, says Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Here it is. What Moses thought was his disqualification was actually his qualification to be used by God. What Moses thought was a waste of time was actually God's preparation to prepare him to answer the call of God. That's why you can't view yourself with what happened to you in the past. You got to put on the lens of the word of God because Moses, you're a mighty man, Moses. You're a mighty woman, woman of God. You're powerful, woman of God. You're powerful, man of God, not because of you, but because of the Holy Ghost inside of you. So we got to view ourselves. We got to view ourselves through the lens of God's Word. And part of my role as a Bible teacher is to help you view yourself correctly. So every time you come to church, whether it's at 1015, whether it's 1230, whether it's 430 at the Carson campus, every time you come to church, part of my role is to open up the Bible and to correct your sight. To correct your sight. See, see that, that, that world has a way of dimming our sight. And so you come to church and through worship and through fellowship and prayer and the study of God's word, I'm correcting that sight. I'm correcting that sight. So you walk out of here looking at yourself through the lens of God's word. Someone shout amen to that. So, so God gives this declaration to Jeremiah. And the Lord says to Jeremiah, I ordained you. He says, I ordained you. And I want us to 
examine that one word today. I ordained you. And I want somebody to say with me, I am ordained by God. Say it again. Say it again. Come on, say it real loud. Say it louder. See, you're doing right now what God did to Jeremiah. You're declaring his word over your life. And you're building your spiritual muscles so that when you step into a room or you step into a circle or you step into an opportunity that God is giving you, you're not going to step into that opportunity broken, busted, and disgusted. You're going to step into that opportunity with the power of God flowing in you. Why? Because I'm ordained by God. Someone say, I'm ordained by God. One more time. Now, now let's, let's think about that this, this afternoon. What does that mean? What does that word mean? Well, that word ordained means that God has placed in you all you need to fulfill your divine assignment. When God told Jeremiah, I ordained you, that word means that God has placed inside of you all you need to fulfill your divine assignment. So I want to encourage you today, as a born-again believer, as a spirit-filled believer, everything you need to fulfill that assignment God put upon your life is inside of you. It's inside of you. I may not look like it, but I'm ordained by God. I may not feel like it all the time, but I'm ordained by God. It's in me. It's in me. It's in me. Someone shout, it's in me. And we need to recognize this. We need to pray to God. Give me a revelation of this, that all I need to fulfill your plan for my life is inside of me by way of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible proves this over and over in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now to him who is able... To do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works around us. Are y'all up? Let me read that again. I like this verse. It's one of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all all that we ask or think according to the power that works on the side of us does it say on the side of us no what does it say in us in us in us it's in you it's in me and when you expand that revelation even more in that chapter you'll learn that the same power that rose jesus from the dead resides in every born again believer it's in us God placed it inside of us. We don't need to look to the world for affirmation. We don't need to look for the world for validation. We don't need to look for the world for confirmation. That rhymed, by the way. It's in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. God called you to fulfill that dream. What you need is already inside of you. God called you to accomplish that goal. What you need is already inside of you. Yeah, you got to bring it out. Yeah, you got to nurture it. Yeah, you got to develop it. Yeah, you got to pray it out of your life. Yeah, you got to have discipline over your life. But it's in you. God has equipped you. He has gifted you to get the job done. We don't need to look outside to the world for validation. Now, this power, this ordination is for all aspects of life. It's not just for a pastor or a preacher or a singer. It's not just for a prophet. It's not just for an apostle. This ordination that I'm talking about is for all aspects of life. I'm ordained to be a husband. I said I'm ordained to be a husband. If you're married, you're ordained to be a wife. If you got kids, you're ordained to be a mother. If you got kids, you're ordained to be a father. This ordination is not just for preachers and teachers. It's for all aspects of life. You got to get this in your spirit. Because sometimes we, oh, we, we, we are challenged with overwhelming circumstances. And you need to know that God has ordained you.
You got to know that God has ordained you. Now, this word ordained speaks of several things I want us to think about. To be ordained speaks of chosen. Someone say chosen. Means, means, I'm, means I'm chosen by God. See, I'm, I'm chosen by God. I'm not chosen by man. I'm not chosen by a vote. I'm not even chosen by my boss. I'm chosen by God. I'm not just chosen by my wife. I'm not just chosen by my wife. I'm chosen by God. You got to understand that. You're chosen by God. You're chosen by Jesus. This is the overwhelming evidence of the scripture that God chose you. You didn't chose him. You didn't choose him. God chose you. Jesus taught this in John 15, 16. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. That's wonderful news right there. You weren't looking for God. God was looking for you. God chose you to do what you do. And Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, even as he chose us, in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love so notice that before you even thought about god he chose you notice this and this is this is a, a wild theological revelation that you're not going to just kind of just fit in your natural mind before you even failed god chose you before you even messed up god chose you some of y'all need to get that because you're using your mess up as an excuse not to answer God in this season of your life. And you need to understand before you even messed up, God had his hand upon you. Before you even failed, God chose you. I know it don't fit in your natural mind, but this is the radical grace and mercy of God. That he chose me. He chose you. Why am I here? Because I'm chosen by God. Why, why, why am I still alive? Because I'm chosen by God. Why am I able to do what I do? Because I'm chosen by God. I want to remind you of one of the powerful stories of one of the brothers in our church, uh, Brother David. I want to remind you of the story of Brother David. And Brother David uh, was born, he was born, he could not hear and he could not speak when he was born. He was born a baby, could not speak and could not hear. And he was born during a time where people frowned upon that and portions of society kind of rejected that because it was too much to handle. He was born, he couldn't hear. He could not speak. Some of y'all thought you were born in challenging situations. I was, no, I was born in a challenging situation, but that's a challenging situation. But how many of you know that when God chooses you, he lifts you up out of your situation. How many of you know that when God chooses your life, I don't care what you're born in, I don't care what you're stuck in, when God chooses you, he lifts you up out of your situation because eventually God gave David the grace and the power to teach himself how to communicate, to teach himself how to talk, to teach himself how to listen, and even in our church in times past, he is actually led us in worship at Chapel of Change. I want to show this video, if we could show this video. Look at this video. Come on, he's leading us in worship. That's taking what little you have and because you're chosen by God, giving it back up to the Lord and the Lord multiplying what you gave him for his glory. So remember, you're chosen by God. God's hand is upon you. And I want to thank God for Brother David. He's sitting on the front row. Someone praise the Lord for Brother David on the front row right here. So you're chosen. You're chosen. And also to be ordained speaks of appointed. It speaks of appointed, that I'm appointed by God to do what I do. I'm appointed by God to say what I say. In John 15, 16, it says, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. 
God appointed you to do what you do. God authorized you to do what you do. God has cleared you to do what you do. God has approved you to do what you do. You're not just chosen, but you're appointed to be exactly where you're at, doing what God has called you to do. You got to get this revelation of you. You're appointed. You're appointed. And listen, what I'm teaching you is not a bunch of theory that I've read in a, in, in a book, but this is something I have to wrestle with all the time. This is something I have to wrestle with all the time because uh, from time to time, I'll get invited uh, to speak to pastors and leaders, and I will hear a, a, a small voice whisper, who do you think you are? I'll hear, I'll hear a, vo a voice saying, are they going to even listen to you? What do you have to say to them? Has anybody ever heard those voices in your mind before? Don't leave me out by myself like I'm the only crazy one. Especially, especially if I get invited out of state. And I don't know, for some reason, I've been invited to the Midwest a lot. And there's lots of woods over there. And it's like country over there. And in some places, it's all corn over there. And I remember one time my wife and I were in the backwoods. It was scary driving at nighttime. And I will, I will minister to people, good, good people, love the Lord, part of our extended family. But the devil will whisper in my mind, hey, you ain't got nothing in common with them. You ain't got nothing in common with them but Jesus. Will they even listen to you? Do you have anything important to say? Especially if I go one of them back countries in the middle of the United States. And I'll hear that voice of intimidation. I'll hear that voice of insecurity. And I don't, I don't, I don't recommend you talking to the devil. I don't encourage you to talk to the devil. But sometimes I get fed up with the devil. Sometimes I get so fed up with the devil because I'll get off of that airplane and as soon as I step on that cement torment, the devil will whisper in my ear, ain't nobody going to listen to you over here. Ain't nobody going to hear what you got to say. And sometimes I get so fed up with the devil and I don't encourage you to talk to the devil, but sometimes I get radical. And I'll tell the devil, yeah, you may say that, but guess what, devil? They paid for my airplane ticket to come here in the name of Jesus. And I'm appointed to be here in the name of Jesus. And I'm called to be here in the name of Jesus. And I'm chosen to be here in the name of Jesus. And when that car comes to pick me up, I'm going to step in that car as a chosen vessel of the Lord God Almighty. And they're going to drive me to my destination. Why? Because I'm appointed by God. I'm appointed by God. And you got to get that revelation. To be ordained means to be appointed. And here's the last thing I want you to think about when you're ordained. To be ordained speaks of a supernatural touch. And eventually I'm going to do a series on this, but I want to just introduce you a little bit more. Supernatural touch. When God ordains you, he simultaneously gives you a supernatural touch to get the job done. Another word for that in the Bible is called the anointing of God. The anointing of God, the hand of God. One of the best definitions that I like about the anointing of God, it, it's God on you doing what you can't do on your own. God on you doing what you cannot do on your own. So you say to God, God, I can't do that. I don't have the credentials. God, I can't do that. I don't have the education. God, I can't do that because I don't have the experience. Well, in one aspect, you're right. In your one aspect, you're right. Because typically God will call you to do something you cannot do in your own strength. Why? Because he wants to anoint you with the power of his Holy Spirit. And he wants to give you a supernatural touch to get the job done. It's the anointing of God. It's the hand of God upon your life. You have an anointing to be a wife. You have an anointing to be a mother. Next time you get fed up with them kids and, and you get frustrated with them kids, you better stand your ground and whisper underneath your voice, I'm anointed by God to do this. 
I'm anointed by God to do this. You have an anointing. You have a supernatural touch. And one of the main reasons why uh, people get frustrated, namely Christians get frustrated at their work, is because they're not working under the flow of the anointing. They're trying to do things in their own strength. They're trying to do things in their own power. They haven't tapped into the anointing of God upon their life. If you ever tap into the anointing of God, you're going to flow uh, to be a husband. You're going to flow to be a wife. You're going to flow at work. You're going to flow at college. Why? Because the anointing causes you to flow. Whom God calls, he empowers. And I was thinking about this supernatural touch as it relates to my situation and I was thinking about how our church, from an organizational standpoint, is a very complex church. One of the reasons why is because we're one church in four locations, Paramount, Long Beach, Carson, and Whittier. And there's probably no other church like that in Los Angeles. You're probably not going to find no other church like that in Los Angeles. So from an organization standpoint, it's a very complex role position that I have. And what I'm teaching y'all, again, is not theory. It's something that I wrestle with often, something that I have to stand up for often. Because in the natural sense, I don't qualify for the job that I have now. In the natural sense, I don't qualify for what I'm doing right now, right before you. On paper, if a similar job opened up right now for what I'm doing, on paper, I would not qualify in the natural sense for that job. I don't have no seminary degree. I spent 16 years in prison. Before Chapel of Change, I was never a senior pastor. On paper, on paper, I didn't graduate uh, summa cum laude, <laughs> something like that, summa cum laude, see what I'm talking about? My point exactly, my point exactly, in the natural, and I remember, I remember being outside of this church on Alondra Boulevard right here, and when the revival here at Chapel Change first broke out and people were giving their lives to the Lord, I remember the old deacon, good-hearted man, who, Burt Brown, who built this building, white hair. He stood right there on that Alondra, and he looked at me, thinking of all the, revi the revival that's happening at Chapel Change, and he didn't mean no harm. He, he, just, he just said it. Some of them older folks, they just say things. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, he said, Brother Brian, you know you're over your head, right? I was like, what? He goes, yeah. All that's going on. He didn't say this, but he was thinking about my past. Yeah. You know you're over your head, right, Brother Brian? And I didn't say nothing out of respect, but inside. Sometimes you got to preach to yourself inside. <laughs> Sometimes you got to give yourself a word inside. Sometimes you got to look a little crazy and, and preach to yourself inside. I didn't say nothing to him out of respect, but inside I said that may be true, but I got a supernatural touch by the Holy Ghost. I got something supernatural that overrides the natural in my life. And I'm called by God. I'm appointed by God. And I'm chosen by God, and ultimately I'm ordained by God. That's why, that's why nowadays, that's why nowadays, if you see, if you see, like sometimes I, I'm, I take pictures with uh, groups of influential people, and sometimes you'll see me with pictures with like a mayor or a congressperson or even a scholar. I remember, I remember they flew me to Vietnam, and and they had me speak at the first religious conference in Vietnam, and what they did was they they picked 
scholars and doctors from the United States, and they said, we're going to fly you to Vietnam because we want you to speak uh, on behalf of, of the church uh, in Vietnam. And I remember I, was, I, I stood up on the platform in Vietnam, and I looked around. I seen scholars. I seen doctors. I seen a bunch of influential people. And there you see me just smiling and grinning in the name of the Lord because I know that I did not belong in that picture. But the supernatural touch opened up the door. God opened up the door. He opened up the door. And so I just smile and I praise God for the open doors. And guess what? You're ordained to. You're chosen to. You're called to. You have a supernatural touch too. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a couple moments as the worship team comes back up, I want us to think about what God said this afternoon. Think about what God was trying to get across to you this afternoon. I also want you to think about how you're going to apply it to your life. I want you to think about how you're going to apply it to your life. Just for a couple moments, let's bow our heads in reverence to the Lord. An atmosphere of prayer and meditation. Think about how are you going to apply this to your life? Hallelujah, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to call up Pastor Laura to the platform. As you reflect upon the Word of God this afternoon, maybe there's someone in here that is in a season where you're confronted by the spirit of insecurity. Maybe you're in a season right now where insecurity is trying to emotionally paralyze you. Insecurity is trying to emotionally stop you from entering to the new thing that God has you for you. The Lord put it upon my heart as I was preaching this message to encourage you. Don't take the spirit of insecurity into this next season of your life. Don't take the spirit of insecurity into the next season of your life. God is all about new seasons. God wants to give you a new season, a new day. His mercies are new every morning. But don't take the spirit of insecurity into that new season. It will sabotage your new season. So if you're here this afternoon, while everybody remains in atmosphere of prayer and meditation, if you feel that you're in a season where you're confronting the spirit of insecurity and you need prayer, you need backup, you need support, we want to pray with you right now, and we want to break the spirit of insecurity over your life. We want to break the spirit of insecurity that's trying to intimidate you. We want to break the spirit of insecurity that's trying to paralyze you. So if you're in this season confronted with insecurity and you need prayer, I'm going to ask that you stand up right where you're at, and we'll pray for you. Just stand up right where you're at. And your standing up is a way of responding to God, saying, God, I'm ready to be free. I'm ready to be free. I'm ready to be free. I'm not going to take insecurity into the next season of my life. I'm ready to be free. And I'm going to ask Pastor Laura to take some time to break the spirit of insecurity. Break the spirit of insecurity over the lives of the people that stood up. God has called you. God has put dreams in your heart. God has put goals in your heart. God has chosen you. And we're gonna, in the name of Jesus, break that stronghold of insecurity. No more, you're gonna stand up. You're standing up right now. And by you standing up on your feet physically, it's a symbolic gesture that you're standing up spiritually. So we'll wait one more moment. Is there anybody else that needs prayer to be set free from the spirit of insecurity? Stand up on your feet right now. And Pastor Lord, just take some time. 
and really break the spirit of insecurity over the lives of the people that, that stood up right now. If you could pray for them. The word of God says that the righteous are bold as a lion. And because God has chosen you before the foundation of this world, because he has appointed you, because he has called you to do great exploits in his name, whatever that looks like in your life, in your season, you can step to the call with the confidence and the full assurance that God has given to you. He says that when you keep your eyes fixed on him, he will come upon you and give you the ability to carry out that which he has called you to do. So right now, with the word Hallelujah. of God, we take authority over every spirit of insecurity and intimidation and fear that is lying to you. And we break its power over you right now in the name of Jesus. We command that spirit of insecurity to depart by fire. To depart by fire. May fire come upon that, that insecurity that has bound you in chains. We ask God even now to release his warring angels to come and bind up those demons with fetters and chains of iron that they may take them away in the name of Jesus so that you can step forward with confidence in God knowing that he loves you knowing that he came here for you knowing that he has a plan and a purpose for your life you've got to know that God said in Jeremiah 29 11 for I know the plans that I have for you saith the Lord plans to prosper you plans to not harm you but to give you a future and a hope will you step forward into the call and the plan and the purpose of God for your life God is here he is waiting for you to say send me Lord I will do what you've called me to do may that be your portion may you step into that call with the authority that God has given to you with the power of heaven on your side why because your eyes are on God and not on yourself hallelujah we thank you Lord God in come Jesus on somebody name. give the Lord a hand praise come on give somebody give the Lord a hand praise say I'm ordained by God I'm ordained by God say it louder 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 one more time all right let's give the lord a hand praise you may be seated in the presence of the lord god is good all the time did you learn something today anybody learn something today i want to encourage you to make that declaration over your life this week make that declaration over your life as you go to work or school declare i am ordained we're going to prepare to transition to worship the Lord through our tithes and offerings uh, this afternoon. We're going to prepare to give our best gift unto the Lord. Uh, I want to remind us as we prepare to give to the Lord that the Bible says in Malachi, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, someone say blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So remember, one of the principles of God or in the Bible is as we live a generous lifestyle, sacrificial lifestyle, it positions our life for the blessings of God. It positions our life for God to open up the windows of heaven over our life and I like to just imagine just in my imagination I like to imagine that there are various windows over different parts of our life that there's a window of our marriage a window of our family a window of our career a window of our business and as we give regularly sacrificially and generally or generously 
God begins to open up the windows over our life. And I'm convinced that God is a blessing God. I'm convinced that God desires to bless us. I'm convinced that for some, there's a gigantic blessing getting ready to pour over your life, but it's so big and the window is not opened as much as it should be open, that that, that blessing is stuck in the heavenlies. And I'm convinced the more we give to the Lord, the bigger that window opens up. And so I want to encourage you to be a generous giver unto the Lord. I want to encourage you to give sacrificially. A couple announcements to make. I want to call the ushers up forward as we prepare to give. There's several ways you can give. You can give through the debit card after service in the lobby. We have a debit machine. You can give online at chapelofchange.org. If you're watching online and this ministry has blessed you, you can go to chapelofchange.org. There's also a scan to give option. Um, if you don't know how to use the scan to give, someone last night at our Whittier campus, they were trying to figure out how to scan to give. So you take your cell phone and hopefully you got an updated cell phone. Hopefully you don't have a flip phone, but if you do, it's okay. Praise the Lord. They still work. Um, but you take your phone and you put the photo app and you put it on that scan and voila, a link pops up in your phone and you touch the link and it takes you to the place where you can give to the church. How does that happen? I do not know. But we're going to work it anyways. Someone praise God. We are handing out the Kingsman Discipleship Home Brochure. Make sure you read it. If you haven't got it, I would like the ushers to pass this out to everybody who leaves. On Easter Sunday, we give our annual resurrection offering. We give a special offering in honor of Jesus' death and resurrection. And this year's offering is going to our Kingsman Discipleship Home. And so on this brochure, it has different ways you can give. Um, some people are going to pledge to give, meaning we have a whole year to raise these funds. So some people are going to give on Easter, but then they're going to pledge to give throughout the year. So I want you to pray about that. Pray about what uh, you can pledge to give because on Easter weekend, we're going to come and pledge unto uh, the Lord. And don't forget, get several of these flyers. We got tons of them. Invite your family and friends uh, either to our sunrise service right here in the parking lot or remember through the day, we're not going to be here. We rented the Carson Civic Center, has about 900 seats in there. We're bringing all our campuses together. And so I want you to, we're doing this by faith because we want to preach the gospel. We want to get people saved. We want to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Get several of these flyers. In fact, please ushers, pass them out. Put them in your purse, put them in your car, invite somebody. Everybody and their mama comes to church on Easter. You just gotta invite them, invite them to come. And so I wanna encourage you, we're gonna have a powerful time in the Lord uh, on Easter Sunday. In fact, all that week, we're gonna have a powerful time starting uh, on Saturday night at our Whittier campus. We're gonna have Easter on Saturday. But I really want you to think about it. We're renting the Carson Civic Center by faith by faith so let's do this together to the glory of god someone say amen we're going to pray over the offering oh by the way i want to remind you about brother gene he'll be in the lobby some of y'all talk to brother gene ask him lots of questions get on his email list i don't know if we have the picture or not but my grandmother was part japanese i don't know if we were able to download show this picture of my grandma if we have this uh, picture show show my grandma can we show a picture look at my grandma right here this is if you read my book right and some of y'all need to go read my book if you've been here for over a year and you haven't read my book shame on you right but if you read my book and you know the morning that I got arrested and they walked me through the living room anybody remember that I walked through the living room and half my family all my 39 cousins were in the, the, the corner and I say in the book that my grandma was sitting there 
And this is the grandma that helped raise me, the grandma who helped uh, take care of me when I was little. She's the one that yelled out, what did you do? What did you do? So y'all didn't know, but she's part Japanese, amen? She helped raise me. So in honor of my grandma, you go talk to uh, Jean after service, amen? So let's pray over the offering. We'll collect the offering, and I'll come back and dismiss with a blessing. Father, thank you for the ability to give. We worship you through this offering. Receive these funds for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give unto the Lord. and leaders some of the leaders to the altar after we dismiss if you need extra prayer you need somebody to pray for you something going on in your life some of our pastors and our leaders will be available to pray for you I also want to let you know that on Easter Saturday our young adults are going to be doing a skit about the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ at our Whittier campus and if you want to be involved in that skit if you have any type of skills to be a part of a skit uh, after service I would encourage you to give up uh, brother Josh or sister Sarah raise your hand Sarah we need the young adults to step up amen there's a movement in the young adults at Chapel of Change so be a part of that skit and then lastly if you know anybody who needs the message that we just preached today if you know anybody who needs to be prayed for uh, over insecurity I will be preaching the same message today at 4.30 at our Carson campus. I would encourage you just to text somebody, invite them. You don't have to show up, just text somebody and we'll preach the same message and we'll pray over them at our 4.30 service in the city of Carson today. So let's lift up our hands unto the Lord as we prepare for the blessing of the Lord. In the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you could live, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who fills you with the power of God. May you go today with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope to see you Thursday night. Go in peace.